What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 99 of the Moderate Podcast for November 8th, 2020. And we are a little bit later than we normally are again. Um, and that's going to probably continue over the next few weeks, probably through the end of the year. Um, I'll get into that in just a second. Um, so we've got a result um, in the election, or at least the a projected winner at this point. And that's something that I think we're going to talk about a little bit as to why, what that means. So uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. We're going to talk about uh, kind of we're going to do a little postmortem on the, uh, the, the election on the show today. Um, but I will be probably, you know, I'll be hit or miss. I, I do plan to do a show every Sunday still. Um, my release time may not be always on time. Um, so that is something that we're going to be, you know, yet to see how that's going to go. But the reason for it is, and, you know, I've talked about, um, you know, getting the house cleaned up and things like that. And that's because we're selling it. And so we're going to be moving, um, nowhere far away. We're going to just be moving a few miles to the East, um, to another town. And so, uh, that will be happening here in the Davis household in the next few weeks. Um, it's a good thing. It's a bigger home, better schools. So we're excited about that. And, um, so looking forward to that, and uh, so we will keep you posted on when. Just follow, if you don't already follow us on Twitter, please follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We will keep you up to date um, as to uh, you know if I'm late or if I'm not going to broadcast a certain week, I will let you know. Um, as far as next week, uh, we're still on target to do a show next week, but it will be our 100th episode or 100 100th regular episode anyway. So I'm a little, ex I'm pretty excited about that. And we'll, I don't, like I said, I don't have a lot planned in terms of doing a retrospective or anything like that, but we will look back a little bit of some of the events that have happened um, since the beginning of this show and some of the things we've talked about over, over the last um, two plus years that we've, uh, that this brought, this podcast has been around. And so the people that have been around for the, from the very beginning, I thank you Everybody that's found us, um, you know, since then, and, and and especially lately, and our our listenership has cr increased pretty dramatically over the last few months, and maybe that's because of election season, people looking for political to speak and things like that, maybe looking for a little bit of an alternative um, to kind of the noise that's out there. Uh, that's a little um, shout out to my friend um, at the or Joey D at the Radical Pro Crossroads. Um, so you you know we try to do things objective as objectively as possible on this program. And, you know, that's, that's just what it's about. And, you know, whether we would have had a Trump victory or a Biden victory, it's not going to change the way I do this show. Obviously the events that we're going to analyze are going to change because obviously a Trump presidency is going to be quite different than a Biden presidency. And so it's not going to give you the same amount of news, and so we're going to maybe get to, get to talk about more policy discussions over the next few years in terms of how that's going to go. So I want to start with a House race. We didn't talk a lot about the House, and the Republicans actually did pretty well. And we're going to get into an analysis of how this all played out in terms of the House and the Senate and things like that. But I did want to talk about one particular race here in California, and that's the 25th District of California. And the, the, the 25th District was, in 2018, was flipped from Republican to Democrat as part of that quote-unquote blue wave um, that we saw two years ago. And it was a race that saw uh, Katie Hill um, become a congresswoman out of that district um, in her mid-30s, attractive woman, um, up-and-comer in the party, and she unseated a longtime uh, Republican in that district. This district covers um, the Santa Clarita Valley out in that area um, of, of California or Southern California, if you're familiar with it. And so, um, but obviously, you know, if you've heard the story about Katie Hill, she was the one that had her ex, she had the, an affair with a staffer, and there was the, her ex husband had released photos of her and things like that. And so she got wrapped up in a big scandal, and um, she had, and then she was forced to resign. Um, so then they did a um, a special election to fill her seat, and as we know, as we talked about on the show before, 
Um, special elections tend to favor Republicans, and indeed, that's exactly what happened. And um, Mike Garcia, a Republican, defeated um, Christy Smith, um, in, is the Democratic nominee um, to that seat in, in the special election. And lo and behold, they held, they were uh, in the finals here as well. So um, currently right now, with 83% reporting in the 25th district, um, Mike Garcia holds a slight lead over Christy Smith. Christy Smith actually held a, held the lead earlier um, in the week, and um, Garcia has since come back to pass her. So that race is they are separated by separated by less than 500 votes. Uh, Mike Garcia has 50.1 percent of the vote, and Christy Smith has 49.9 percent. Um, I don't know if that triggers an automatic recount in those situations, especially if the candidates request that. Um, but also, we're only at 83%, which means that we're going to have, <clears throat> excuse me, we're likely going to have more um, more mail-in votes come in because all of the election um, day votes have already been counted. So that has tended to favor the Democrats um, in this in in these races. And so that's what we may expect to see here. Uh, so, you know, that's going to be one we're going to continue to watch. It's certainly something that can't be called at this point, which is interesting because it's California. Nobody's talking about that. All we're focusing on is Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada. Those are the four that everyone's focused on. They think they can't get their crap together. Well, guess what? California's got a, a, a district that only has 83% reporting right now. And that's because it's not just in those four states where they're taking so long to count. It's everywhere. But from a presidential election standpoint, is there anybody that ever questioned that Joe Biden was going to win California? No, nobody questioned that. So they know based on the voting patterns and what the political landscape is like in California that it was almost a foregone conclusion that Joe Biden was going to win. It was just about a matter of how, by how much. So, but that doesn't mean we're done counting in California. We're still counting. They're still counting everywhere. There is no state that has certified their elections yet because once all the counting's done, then they've got to do audits. They do spot checks. They do all these different things. They do some additional verifications to make sure that their count is not just correct, but that it's only counting valid votes, which is exactly what everyone is asking for. That valid votes get counted according to the rules that were in place before the election, and that votes that were not properly cast are not counted. That's what this process is about. And that is why the Electoral College doesn't meet until December, after all of the elections are certified. And then the Electoral College vote is certified in January by the Congress. So that's how it works. And it's always worked that way. The only difference is we've had a great increase in the number of electoral votes we've had. Or excuse me, of the num number of mail-in ballots that we've had. So that's the only thing that's really different, but no election was ever certified the day after it was held. Zero, ever. It's never happened. Because there are procedures in place by the registrars that they need to do. And we're going to get into that a little bit more as we analyze the presidential race. But I did want to point out, like I said, that race here in California. Um, okay. The California propositions, let's talk about a few of those before we get into the Senate. Um, I had talked about a few propositions on, in, on this show. I talked about Proposition um, 15, which was the changing of commercial property tax, basically <clears throat> making um, commercial property tax exempt from Prop 13 and doing a split rule. That one is currently losing 51.9 um, to 48.1. Um, so that's a victory for for property tax advocates. Uh, that one's up about up by about five hundred and forty thousand votes or so, um, with eighty four percent reporting. So they're not quite uh, AP is not quite calling that race yet. Uh, Proposition sixteen has been called by AP. It's going to go down. It looks like it's 
currently leading 56.5 to 43.5. That's a over, you know, almost a $2 million, uh, two million vote uh, gap between those two. And so it looks like that's going to pass. Um, that's the, uh, that was the, the, the attempt to reverse Proposition 209, which outlawed um, affirmative action in um, government and uh, in college admissions, a local government, um, uh, local government hiring contractors in college admissions. That's what it was. Okay. So that, that hopefully that made sense. But basically, uh, we, we had a law back in 2000 or 20 or 1986 proposition 209 that banned, um, uh, affirmative action. This would have reversed that and it's currently losing and it looks like it's going to go down. Um, proposition 18 to allow 17 year olds to vote in primaries. That's going to lose 55 and a half to 45 and a half right now. Proposition 19 is another close one. This is also one that deals with property taxes. This basically reverses or consolidates Proposition 60 and 90, but just also does some restrictions on how the how taxation changes depending on transfers between prop uh, between family members. So that one actually is winning right now, 51.2 to 48.8. Property tax advocates had actually tried to defeat this one as well, um, but it's a close one. Um, but it, it's the, the the gap is about 300,000, 340,000 votes or so right now. Um, so that one looks like it's going to lose. Again, 84% reporting, but AP is not quite calling that one yet. And that one's really one you can't disseminate by party lines, because if it was, it would be up big, right? So that's something that that definitely does not go along party lines. Uh, proposition 22, that's the app-based drivers um, proposition that would allow app-based drivers to be contractors, not employees. And that one is looks like it's going to win right now. It's up 58.6 to 41.4. So good news for Uber and uh, Instacart. So it looks like we're going to get to keep Instacart in California. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> um, so anyway, that was um, one that we talked about on this show as well. All right. So the Senate. I got most of them right, but there was a couple that I was way off on and the, the polls were way off on, by the way. One in particular was uh, was in Maine. This was one that is really interesting. And again, I think it dovetails into the discussion about the presidential election. But I had predicted that um, Sarah Gideon was going to, to defeat uh, Susan Collins in Maine. Um, but that was indeed not the case. This one is a race that got called um, pretty early on, relatively speaking. And um, Susan Collins won this race 51.1% to 42.2%. Um, and, you know, an, an, an over eight-point victory, almost nine-point victory for Susan Collins. And remember, she was the one that is considered a moderate Republican, one that is was definitely no um, Trump and her cl clashed a lot. T Trump said a lot of bad things about her, um, and yet she still won and, and wasn't even close. So I think that goes to show what the attitude was on Donald Trump, especially, or at least in Maine. Now, there are a couple of races that are still outstanding that I don't know why. For example, I have no idea why Alaska hasn't been called yet. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, right now, Dan Sullivan is um, beating Al Gross 62 to 32 um, with 50% reporting, but they haven't called it yet. So if they call that one, that would give the Republicans 49 it looking, it's looking like Tom Tillis is going to win in, um, in North Carolina. That's another one I got wrong. Um, I thought Cal Cunningham was going to squeak out a victory, but um, it looks like that Tom Tillis is going to hold on to his seat in North Carolina. So those two, along with the 48 they already have, because again, that's counting Susan Collins. So that's also Mitch McConnell. That's also Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham won by over 10 points in South Carolina. And a lot of people thought that Jamie Harrison may have a chance. But I think, like I said, like I said on the show last week, I did call that one for Lindsey Graham because I thought that was going to be another 
Ted Cruz, Beto O'Rourke situation. And that's exactly basically what happened in this particular race. Now, Georgia is interesting, and I didn't quite realize this. I didn't realize that the runoff, if if the race between David Perdue and John Ossoff, I didn't realize that if not, neither one gets 50% of the vote, that they would go to a runoff. And so that's exactly what's going to happen. So they're going to go to a runoff. And right now, David Perdue is leading in that race 49.8 to 47.9. Georgia still has a few votes outstanding. Likely, though, those will go for Ossoff, which means that we're likely headed for a runoff there. In the other race, which had a lot of different candidates in it, Raphael Warnock didn't even get close to getting to 50%. He's at 32.9, and he will likely run off against Kelly Loeffler, who has 25.9% of the vote. Now, these, both of these, I believe, will take place on J January 5th. And again, just like I talked about in the 25th District of California, the Republicans tend to do better in runoff elections, especially one that's going to happen so close after this such a contentious election. People are tired of hearing about elections. And I think that has to mean that voter turnout's going to be lower, which means that this will likely end up being a situation where the, um, it, will it will favor the Republicans. Because a big part of the presidential election was about getting rid of Donald Trump. So if the Republicans do well there and they pick up two seats in Georgia, that would put them at 52 seats, which is the situation I was favoring, um, to be honest with you, especially with a Biden win, is that if Biden won, my hope was that the Republicans would hold on to the Senate because I didn't have much faith that they'd be able to get the House without winning the White House. So if they lost the White House, I didn't see a situation where they were going to win the House. So that means that the only hope they had was the Senate. And it's good for them because the map in 2022 does not line up well for the Republicans. It lined up very well in 2018. That's why you saw the House flip from the Republicans to the Democrats in that blue wave, and yet the Republicans picked up seats in the Senate because it had a very favorable favorable map. There were a lot of seats that were available, that most of the seats that were running were Democrats, and so they had more to lose. Now in 2022, you're going to have a lot of Republicans running, and so that could favor the Democrats if they get another quote-unquote blue wave, and they push hard to win those races and push hard to hold on to the House because first-term presidents don't do well in their, first, in their midterm. They tend to lose seats. And if they lose seats, they also may end up losing that Senate race as well when otherwise they would have had a good chance to pick it up. Or another possibility is <clears throat> it could flip. You could see the House going from the Democrats to the Republicans, and the Senate going from the Republicans to the Democrats. That's possible as well. Um, but we're a long way off from that. We barely just got done with this thing. So that's something that we'll be able to talk about over the next couple of years. And we're going to, of course, be analyzing that on this show. And, and by the way, in 2018, I was way, way off, like I talked about last week. I thought that the Republicans were going to hold on to the House, and they did, it wasn't even close. They lost a lot of seats in 2018. And so that that's going to set up kind of what we're going to talk about next. So when we come back, we are going to get into the presidential race. It was called yesterday. Um, and so that is something that we are obviously going to talk about on this show and where we're at with that right now. So we're going to get into that uh, when we return. Um, stay with us. You're listening to The Moderate Podcast on Anchor.fm. Today's episode is brought to you by Restaurant.com. With Restaurant.com, you can save at thousands of restaurants across the country with just a few clicks. Their dining deals range from $5 to $100, never expire, and cost you a fraction of the face value. Dinner's never been easier with Restaurant.com, used for dine-in, takeout, or delivery. 
Restaurant.com is offering our listeners 50% off their next purchase by going to www.restaurant.com slash podcast. That's www.restaurant.com slash podcast for 50% off your next purchase. Restaurant.com, the best deal every meal. And welcome back to the Moderate Podcast on Anchor.fm on this Sunday, November 8th, 2020. We are doing our post-game wrap-up of the of the election. Although, again, the thing's not over yet. The thing is not over yet. And if you talk to people that, that really are still supporting the president, it really isn't over yet, um, according to them. <laughs> and... It's it's one of those things where you just have to just kind of go, ah, I don't know, man. So um, just like we thought would happen on Tuesday night into Wednesday morning, we weren't able to call the election. And Donald Trump wanted that to happen because at that time he was winning. But you can't just arbitrarily end the vote. And so what's happening right now? Well, you see, you know, at that point, you know, when we went to bed on Tuesday night, um, Trump had a lead in all three of the quote, what they started calling the blue wall states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. Um, Trump or uh, Biden had jumped out to an early lead in Texas before that was quickly that quickly disappeared. That wasn't surprising. Um, he had a lead in Arizona, um, and as a matter of fact, it got called fairly quickly. Um, surprisingly, to be honest with you, by some of the networks, um, mainly by Fox News and AP. So AP Fox News largely follows the AP um, call, and AP had called Arizona for Trump. Uh, or for, excuse me, for Biden pretty early. He was also leading in Georgia. Um, he started off with the lead in, in Florida and never never relinquished that. And Florida ended up not being much of a factor at all. Um, so when I had predicted um, last week, I had predicted that the, the flipped states would be Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Arizona. All the other states would say the same from 2016. And it looks like I'm being mostly right, because as the count started to continue, and again, they said, well, the count stopped. Well, so you, what, you expect these workers to just work and work and work and work and work four days in a row, five days in a row straight without any rest or any sleep? No. They would rather have, they'd rather stop, let them rest, and then come back. Because for one thing, under labor laws, you can't have them work that much time in a row. It's not, le it's not legal. Now, could they have done it in shifts? Yeah, they probably could have. But instead, they had all hands on deck and then cranked out the, the counting and then stopped, you know, in the middle of the night and then started it up again and probably did, you know, 14, 15, 16-hour shifts. So... As the counts continued in these states that had millions of mail-in votes, where they really hadn't had nearly that many ever, and where you had people that were uh, that 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 tended to vote Democratic mailing mailing in the votes because they're the ones that are the most fervent. Um, people following protocol for the coronavirus, i.e. not going out. So the people that showed up on election day were going to tend to be Trump supporters. And the people that mailed in were going to be overwhelmingly Biden supporters. 
And we knew this beforehand. This should not surprise anybody. And yet, we're crying about fraud based on those very parameters. And why is that? Because Donald Trump conditioned his supporters to think that way. He kept saying over and over and over and over again that there's going to be fraud. And what did we see on, on social media? People parroting that. There's going to be fraud. There's going to be fraud. There's going to be fraud. And people that are convinced there's going to be fraud, they're going to take anything out there and construe it as exactly that. Because guess what? People want to be right. People want to be right in this country. People want to be right in general. It's hard to admit when you're wrong. Some people have a harder time with that than others. And I think that there's a segment of the population that is really hell-bent on doing that. And those are the types of people that would support Donald Trump. It makes perfect sense. So, what does this mean? As they count those votes, and by the way, why does it take so long? Everyone's, that's the other question. Why is it taking so long? And, and ironically, it's because it's taking so long to prevent the fraud that, they, that they're hoping happen now. They're hoping for fraud. Trump's only hope at this point is, for, is fraud, because if there is no fraud, that means he lost. That means it's over, right? So the only way he can win is that there's fraud. And people are like, well, you know, we got to do recounts because we did recounts in 2000. Let's talk about 2000 real quick, shall we? Let's talk about 2000. 2000, Florida, right? We remember Florida, correct? Okay. The results in Florida on election day, Bush was up by about 1,000 votes. As a matter of fact, it was 1,784 votes. And by the way, further, there is no state right now that Trump, especially in those, there is no state right now that has a margin that small anywhere. Even in states that are, even by a percentage uh, wise, there's no state right now that has that small of a margin. Not even Georgia. Not even Georgia. Georgia's the closest right now. Georgia, as we speak, I'm here, I'm here at 445 on um, Sunday uh, Pacific time. Currently, Biden has a 10,000 vote lead, just over 10,000, 2,465,781 to 2,455,428. That's a 0.2% difference. It sounds close, and it really is. It really is. But this is not anywhere close to how close it was in Florida in 2000. He had an election night vote count of lead of 1,784. Bush did over Gore. So they started looking at it. Um, they, there was a, machine, a statewide machine recount which began the day after the election that was completed on November 10th in the 66 Florida counties that use vote counting machines and reduces, reduced Bush's lead to 327 votes. In other words, it changed about a little over 1,400 votes. The count changed by a little over 1,400 votes. Once the closeness was clear, both the Bush and Gore campaigns organized themselves for the ensuing legal process. And Gore wanted to have, um, and, 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 and by the way, you know who was involved on the, on the Bush side with this? Roger Stone. That name sounds familiar, right? Um, Gore wanted a recount in four Democratic counties. Now, you would believe that a recount in Democratic counties would favor the Democratic candidate, right? Well, at the end of the day, so you had Volusia, Palm Beach, Miami-Dade, and Broward counties. Those are the four that they wanted to have, vote, they wanted the votes counted by hand. Bush sued 
because number one, he was already winning. And number two, he's like, well, wait a minute. You're going to count these four arbitrarily picked counties that happen to favor Democrats? If they're going to pick up non-votes, odds are those votes are going to favor the Democrats over the Republicans, right? And that's going to shrink the lead. So they're like, well, wait a minute. You can't just arbitrarily pick these counties. And that was really a, a lot of what that was about. And so Catherine Harris, who was the Secretary of State, got involved and basically said, look, no, you certified these results, that's it. And they said, no, we need to recount. There was a big old long fight. And at the end of the day, when it was all said and done, Bush won by 537 votes out of more than 6 million votes cast. 6 million votes cast, 537 vote uh, victory. We're not talking about any numbers close to that in this situation in any of these states. We're talking about four different states right now, right? One where the gap is closing on Biden, and that's in Arizona. Now, I don't recall, I do definitely recall that Trump was crying about stopping the count. He was tweeting about it and all this stuff, right? He wanted to stop the count in the places where he was lead was going down or where his deficit was growing. I didn't hear him saying anything about clo- about shutting down the counting in Arizona though because Biden was leading but that that lead was shrinking. Guess who dis- else didn't ask the counting to stop in Arizona? Joe Biden. Joe Biden didn't. Why? Because even though he, his lead was dwindling in Arizona, and that was a big, what the, the, the Democrats saw as a very big coup for them, and don't use that, I'm not using that word as like they're trying to take a, be, do a coup on Trump, don't, don't, get, don't get all crazy on me now. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that would, that would be a big victory for the, for the Biden campaign. But they didn't say stop the count there, because they want the votes counted. Now who... Of those two now, do you think is actually in it for the American people? Is it Joe Biden or is it Donald Trump? Because we've had concession speech speeches all throughout history. I wanted to play it for you, but I just didn't get the audio put together in time. I wanted to play the audio, though, for you of um, John McCain's concession speech, where he congratulated Barack Obama said he'd support him because it was a time and it was only 12 years ago and it was a time that we can talk we can have political differences but still believe that both the candidates are have interest in doing what's best for the country we may not agree how to get there but i will never doubt your patriotism you'll i'll never doubt your um that you believe what you are proposing in your your vision for the country, you're doing it because you're, it's in you believe it's in America's best interest, and that is your vision for the country. So you can you can disagree on what is the best thing for our country, but you can still agree that your motives, your what you know why you're doing this is for righteous region, region, reasons. And that was kind of McCain's point. Mitt not Romney does the same thing. And I haven't listened to um, Hillary's speeches. But this whole thing really, really gets down to this. Donald Trump is in it for himself. And I'm convinced of that at this point. Because he has pulled the wool over the eyes of millions and millions of people into this country that really believe that he has this America first at heart, and he is 100% doing this for the good of the country, not because of his own ego and not because of his own selfish reasons. He is absolutely doing it for his own interests only. Because he's dragging our country and he's putting doubt in one of our most sacred institutions. And he's casting doubt on it. Despite evidence 
that there's despite no evidence of it. Now, people have been alleging fraud all over the place, and they've had thousands of pictures and allegations and things like that. And most of them are complete and utter BS because people either don't understand the process, they're misconstruing what they're looking at, or they just plain don't understand the, what's going on. They just don't get it. You know, there was talk in Wisconsin on election night that there were more votes cast than registered voters. Except for the fact that the number they used to talk about the registered voters was severely off. They said the number was 3.1, whereas if you look on Wisconsin, the Wisconsin State of, uh, Secretary of State's website, the number was 3.9. And, oh, by the way, Wisconsin also allows same-day registration. Now, that gets to why the votes take so long. The mail-in votes take so long because, and, and by the way, you also, if you register the same day and vote that same day, it's a provisional ballot. So what they do is they put that ballot aside to make sure that you haven't registered somewhere else and voted somewhere else before they count that vote to prevent fraud. They also look at the mail-in ballots, look at the postmarks, and by the way, postmarks. That was another thing in Pennsylvania. Oh, there's no postmarks. There's no signatures. Well, the signature thing is just bull. The, the, the Secretary of State came out and said, that's just patently false. We... We don't accept ballots that are not signed. If they're not dated, we may verify that. But, and then the no postmark thing was BS because they said, okay, we allowed, counties were allowed to either do business reply mail or they could, they could um, do the stamps and we reimburse them because they paid for the, the return postage. The state did. So what happened was some counties opted to use their business reply um, permit, uh, mail permit, and use that to pay for it, and then the state would reimburse them. Well, when you get business reply mail, and you get business reply mail every day, you get metered, you know, those, those things that you see every day, those aren't postmarked. They don't, like, cancel out the stamp. But what they do is they still print a code, a barcode on that, which can then be used to know when that was processed. And they use that barcode to verify that the vote was submitted on or before election day. That's what they're doing with that. So the postmark thing, yes, technically that, technically that is true. There are some ballots that are not postmarked, but they have other markings on them from the post office that verifies when that thing or when that piece of mail was processed by the post office. And so if that says November 4th, it's out. They don't throw anything away either. They, they, they have a pile for rejected ballots. And the reason they do that is so that when they go back and audit them later, or there's a recount if it's requested, that they can go back and show exactly what happened. There was another video of someone filling out, out a ballot. They're like, oh my God, there's somebody filling out a Joe Biden ballot. Number one, how the hell could you even tell it was they were doing that for Joe Biden? You couldn't see it at all. Number two, the, la the lady's being videotaped and she knows she's being videotaped. So she's going to commit fraud right on camera. And number three, someone's reading off from another piece of paper. You know what that piece of paper is? Probably somebody that didn't know how to mark their ballot. So if you can tell the intent because maybe they circled the person, maybe they checked the box instead of filling in the bubble, whatever, she was filling out a new ballot based on the information that was on the ballot that was sent in for the machine to process. Now, when you have stuff like that happening, guess what? It's going to take time to process everything, right? Because... Because they didn't quite fill it out or because the machine was having trouble reading a, a ballot for whatever reason, what, we should just throw their vote out because the machine couldn't read it? That is, that, that, that's insane. That is so stupid. To, to, that would be a stupid reason to throw somebody's ballot out, especially if you can tell who they're voting for. Okay? Then 
they attach the original because they don't, and the reason they're filling out a new ballot is because they don't want to alter the original ballot. So you can go back and verify that too. See how this works? That is another, this is actually an example of the, the process in, you know, that actually in the process, how it, how it works, and that it's actually working correctly to make sure that everyone's vote, vote is counted. Everyone's legit vote is counted. And technicality of throwing out a ballot because a machine can't read them is, is, is asinine. That's ridiculous. So that's what that was. That's what that was about. Someone else was then filming some guy just holding, you know, t carrying this thing into a ballot center. Turns out he was a reporter, a cameraman for a reporter, to actually to be to be uh, precise. He was hauling in his camera equipment to film the proceedings because everything's out in the open. Another thing, they were boarding up those windows. Oh my God, what's going on there? People are being a-holes out there. Did you not notice on the other side of the room, there's hundreds of observers watching this thing from the press and from both sides of the campaigns? They were trying to make sure that these dumbasses that are out there banging on the windows, doing God knows what, they don't need to see like my private information. So they're trying to protect people's private information. That's why they're covering up the windows. Then the other allegation of, well, they didn't let these Trump people in. It's because Trump already had people in there. When they filed that suit, the judge asked him, so you guys didn't have anybody in there? Oh, no, no, we did. Uh, okay. So then what are you suing for? Because they didn't let the, those other people in. Uh, okay. Um, were there rules about how many people could be in there? Well, Yeah. And did you have that number of people in there? Like, did you have your maximum people in there? Well, yeah. Okay, case dismissed. That's how that went down. And I posted on, I retweeted on, on Twitter, and I also posted on Facebook a link to a guy that went through meticulously and went through all these different allegations and how they were complete and other BS. And so all of these allegations. Now, having said all this, do you, do I think that there's zero fraud in 150 out of 150 million votes? Of course not. Of course not. But this is the most this because Trump was 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 making allegations of voter fraud before the election even started. I can guarantee you as a public official myself, I can guarantee you the public officials are like, "Look, we're going to be watched like a hawk. So we need to make sure we do this right." No one's going to commit fraud when they know they're being videotaped and that this thing is going to be scrutinized like hell because if they tried to, to pull some shenanigans, it would be caught so fast. And it's funny that we hear all these allegations and the only reason, of apparently, that we don't hear about them or that we don't hear about anything happening is because of the media. If there was something legit going on out there, you don't need the media. Hundreds of millions of people are on social media. Show us actual evidence. Because all the evidence you've thrown up there so far just shows how stupid you are. Anybody posting any kind of conspiracy theory right now, and I see these videos and I see these pictures, you know, the one with the, the website that gave 128,000 votes to, to Biden. That's not even an official website, you moron. That has no bearing on anything. It's like the, this is what this is the proof of fraud that some random website that has no official capacity whatsoever is show, is 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 showing votes for for Biden that somehow is fraud. The hell is wrong with you people? So at this point, if you're still on the bandwagon that there's fraud going on and that this has been a farce and blah blah blah. There's basically three bu uh, buckets that you're in right now. You're either going to go to jail if Trump is no longer president. You're not going to have his protection. And quite frankly, right now, I put that, um, I probably put Rudy Giuliani in that category right now. He, probably some of his kids. Um, number two, you're making money off of him. So that would be, 
your Sean Hannity's, your Mark Levin's, your Tucker Carlson's. And they're primarily making money because of the, the third group, which are just too stupid to realize that they've been played the last four years by Donald Trump. And they're still in hook, line, and sinker over not just Trump ideals. And that's one thing. But the fact that if you're still on this fraud train and you think that, you know, you're going to somehow find a net gain of what, what is the count now? Um, 43,000 votes in Pennsylvania, 150,000 votes in Michigan, and 20,000 votes in Wisconsin. When we talked about Bush v. Gore, and the, the, there was like 1,500 votes that changed. And at the end of the day, the difference between what was reported on election day and what was reported, what was the final count, was about 1,200 votes, 1,250 votes. In 2016... There was there were there were uh, there was recounts asked for in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. Now Jill Stein is the one that actually asked for uh, recounts in Wisconsin, which is kind of bizarre. Um, and so what the Wisconsin um, recount was completed and its results certified early on December twelfth, well before the state imposed eight p.m. deadline that same day. Clinton increased her vote total in the state by 713 votes, while Trump increased his by 844, wielding his, you know, widening his lead by 131 votes over the original November 8th count and reaffirming his victory. So the recount actually resulted in Trump getting more votes than Hillary uh, and actually, you know, gaining more votes. In Pennsylvania, they actually, um, a lawsuit, um, was rejected and so there was no recount in in Pennsylvania so it, they certified it their original uh, November 8th results and then in Michigan um there was um a <clears throat> on December 9th of 2016 the Michigan Supreme Court denied Jill Stein's appeal to restart the recount in a 3 to 2 ruling re- permitting the original November 8th result election results to be certified Prior to the halt of the count, 3,047 precincts across 22 of Michigan's 83 counties had completed their, their recounts, resulting in a net gain of a whopping 102 votes for Hillary Clinton. Additionally, 59% of the precincts in Detroit were ineligible for recount as the number of ballots stored in containers in case of a recount did not match tallies given by voting machine printout reports. So, again, it was... <laughs> there. These recounts don't really result in much. So I don't see how you're going to, um, how you're going to get that many votes to, to be overturned. It's, it's, it's a ridiculous effort. Nevada also had that. Um, Clinton lost nine votes and Trump lost six votes due to absentee ballot errors. Um, so, so Clinton's vote totals changed by nine votes and Trump was, was down by six. Um, Florida actually did have a recount, but um, or at least a, a one a result. A, a they asked for one, but that didn't happen. But again, in Bush v. Gore, even um, you know that that was such a close race. It was way closer than than was thought, and. Um, that way closer than any of the results here. And so it's not going to happen. I mean, I, I think that at this point, it's a pretty much a done deal. It's pretty much a done deal. Um, you know, we don't know what the final counts are going to be, um, but, you know, Biden's lead continues to grow in, in Pennsylvania, especially. You know, there may be something in Georgia, but even that's 10,000 votes by now. Um, I just don't see it happening. So Arizona right now is only a 17,000 vote margin and that continues to shrink. So Arizona could flip still back to, to, um, to Trump, but it doesn't matter because the fact that, um, he won Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania pretty handily, even if you flipped Arizona back to, um, Democrats and in 
Georgia to, or, to, or excuse me, Arizona to the Republicans and Georgia to the Republicans, that still results in um, enough electoral votes for Biden to win, but 273 uh, to be exact. Uh, North Carolina still has been called, but again, that that one's going to go for um, Biden. Um, I have no doubt about that. So, <clears throat> and Nevada is counting too. They're going to be still counting for a while here, but uh, they they have called that one um, unofficially for Biden as well. And that's the thing too. Again, the media calling these things doesn't mean anything. I know, I don't know why people freak out by that because it doesn't mean anything. The election officials don't care what the media says. They're going to still count. They're going to count until every single vote has been counted. That's their job. Doesn't matter who wins. It matters. Did we count it? And did it? Did we count it correctly? And did we follow the law? That's it. That's really all it comes down to. That's that's really the most important thing, and nothing else really matters other than that. And so, my final thoughts on Trump is that. I've come to the realization, especially with how he's having this temper tantrum on the election, that Donald Trump is a work. And I played, coming out of the break, I played the Midnight Express theme. The Midnight Express were a tag team in, um, in wrestling managed by Jim Cornette. And I've told you on this show before that I listened to Jim Cornette um, he actually talks about politics sometimes. He's very, very liberal. Um, so I don't always agree with the things that he says. Um, but they talk about wrestling and the psychology of wrestling and things like that. And that's what Donald Trump is. He's good at selling, and he's good at selling himself. And he's good at convincing an audience that he's the real deal when he's not. He's a fraud. He's a phony. And what I mean by that is millions and millions of people, and not everybody that voted for him, because I think there's quite a few people that voted for him that realized that he lost at this point. The number of people that still are hanging on hope that he's going to win this thing is dwindling like crazy. And as that happens, you're going to see the Levins and the Hannity's and the Tucker Carlson's dump the Trump people. Because once that audience is not big enough, once it it's down to one American news network um, levels, the ratings aren't going to be there anymore, and they're going to need another audience, and they're going to have to maybe go back to maybe more traditional conservatism because they completely abandoned that over the last maybe six years, really the last four years for sure, though. Um, but, you know, they vilified uh, – they made a business of vilifying Obama, and that business of vilifying Obama – led to Donald Trump, I think, um, being emerging as a, as a political figure. And once he won the medal of the, um, the Republican Party and then became, actually became president, then that's when the value of Trumpism and Trump publicism really took off. And so now, well, again, he says things because he knows the base wants to hear them, and he knows his audience, and he knows how to sell to his audience, and he knows how to manipulate them. And so that manipulation is what led to all these cries about fraud, even though there's nothing there, because they want to believe it, and they want to believe in him. Now, the question's going to be going forward. What's going to happen? Well, I think Trump could partner or buy outright buy maybe one American news network, change it to the Trump news network. He may even hire some of the high profile thing, high profile people from Fox. And the media will have themselves or the right wing media will have themselves a war kind of like NXT does versus AEW on Wednesday nights. If you want to use another wrestling analogy. So I, I think that he can make people believe in a, believe in a worked program. Um, I believe that he doesn't believe a lot of the things he says or you know a lot of the policies he believes in. He knows that his base does, though, and the people that love him the most. And he loves that adoration. He wants to be adored by millions of people. And the, even, 
even losing, even in losing, the fact that he got over 70 million votes, almost 71 million votes, and actually probably will exceed 71 million votes when all things when all things are done, um, that is a very validation for himself. Now, in terms of what the Republicans and the Democrats are going to do going forward, I don't know what they're going to do. That's, that's going to be the next interesting thing to watch. Because to believe that the, the Democrats are united right now, it would be a mistake, because they're not. And one thing that Joe Biden said that bothered me, before he even was declared, you know, got the, the call from the media, that they called the election for him, and then he claimed victory, was that he said he had a mandate for climate change and other things. And um, I don't see how that's even possible, given how this election went. And given where we are right now, like I talked about last week, the worst thing they can do is try to get some kind of liberal, liberal agenda going. And if they, if they misstep like that in the next two months, that's even going to help them, hurt them even more, especially with the Georgia runoffs coming. You could still end up with two Republicans out of Georgia. And it would be a 52-48 split in the Senate. And so any liberal agenda that's too liberal is not going to get through the Senate. So they're going to have to really do some soul searching. But the even within the party, there's a lot of infighting going on as to where, where the platform should be and what they should do going forward. Republicans are going to have to have that same conversation. Are we going to be the party of Trump Republicans, or are we going to go back to work in being the conservatives and doing the things that we were traditionally doing? Smaller government, um, personal responsibility, because personal responsibility with Donald Trump went out the window because he could not be held responsible for anything he did or anything he said. He played fear. He played the victim. I mean, good Lord, the guy is the biggest victim. You know, the people that support Trump always want to get on minorities for playing the victim. Oh, my God, you're playing the victim card. You know, Larry Elder has a term called victocrats. I swear, I'm going to start calling Trump publicans victopublicans, and, and they're being led by Victor Trump. Because Trump is the biggest victim ever. Even... Hillary Clinton pointed out during one of their debates back in 2016, even his lawsuit, the lawsuit against him for Trump University, he claimed that the system was rigged against him. Everything's rigged against him. So this election was rigged against him. The 2016 election was rigged against him. That's why he lost the popular vote. I mean, he couldn't even get over that. That's how big this guy's ego is. He couldn't even get over the fact that he, he lost the popular vote. It doesn't matter, though. You're the president. Who the hell cares if you won the popular vote? And yet he put a commission together to show all this voter fraud. And guess what they found? Nothing. They found nothing. Zero. So. What, so the, 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 the thing that the Republicans are going to have to figure out is are they going to try to win people back like me? Because I didn't vote for Trump in the election, yet I voted for my Republican representative. Now he lost 70 to 30, but that's neither here nor there. But the point is, is that, you know, people want to say, oh, well, oh, that's another thing that people said was that, oh, well, how is it possible that the Republicans did so well in all these other races down the ballot, and yet Trump still lost. That is, that, that's impossible. Well, it is possible because there are plenty of Republicans that couldn't stand Trump, me being one of them. Yes, this is a moderate podcast. I am a re registered Republican. I tend to be more Republican than Democrat. I think, you people can, I think the people that listen to the show have figured that out by now. But that doesn't mean I put my Republican blinders on and look, for, look at everything through that lens. And there's plenty of people that voted for Trump for their own selfish reasons. It has nothing to do with any other policy other than that 
they felt he would be best for their 401k. That was it. That was the only reason they voted for him. And that's the beauty of this country. You can vote for whoever you want for whatever reason you want. But you can't go around screaming fraud just because you didn't get your way. Because you have to understand that you may have voted for Trump, but there's millions and millions and millions of people that voted against Trump. I saw somebody post like, well, you know, Trump has 88 million um, Twitter followers and he only got 70 million votes. And yet Biden only has, what, 8 million or 13 million or whatever. And yet he got, you know, 75 million votes. That doesn't seem possible. So we're now we're going by Twitter followers because that that is the stupid <laughs> this is the stupidest thing. Yes, I'm a I follow Trump on Twitter. I didn't vote for him, so it's like you freaking idiot. People are saying the stupidest things. It's like this is what I'm talking about, though. This is the mentality that Trump takes advantage of, and he knows that these people are weak minded, and so he can manipulate them, and that's exactly what he has done. But the reason that, like, I think the, the race in Maine is a clear-cut example as, as to why this phenomenon happened. And you also have to look at the fact that in 2016, the Republicans won the House in addition to the White House, in addition to the presidency. This time, they didn't win the House. They narrowed the gap from 2018 but 2018 was a huge swing, and it was a huge swing during a midterm. It wasn't; it was a referendum on Trump, but not he was not directly on the ballot, maybe indirectly, but not directly. And so, I think Trump di- being Trump being on the on the ballot did help in that it closed that gap a little bit. But it's still the the House elections did not go as well for the Republicans with Trump on the ballot this time as it did last time. And so since that changed, it would stand a reason then that he also may have lost the election rather than won it. So th- that even follows suit with that kind of philosophy, is that the House didn't do as well this time around as the last time he was on the ballot. So that should tell you something as well. And I told you that voter turnout being up was going to favor the Democrats. But it didn't help as much as I thought it would because Trump's vote count did go way up. He got way more votes. He got 62 million and change back in 2016. He's up over 70 million this time. So he gained 8 million votes. I mean, yeah, Joe Biden got a lot more than Hillary did, but it's not like Trump's vote count went down. So there was some to that, that there were people that voted for Trump this time that didn't vote for last time. I mean, that has to be the case because otherwise your vote total wouldn't go up. It would go down. So to the tune of 8 million people. So he did do something right there. I mean, you know, it's nothing to be, and honestly, I mean, the way he ran his campaign, I'd be ashamed a bit because he's, because he's a complete dick, but the way that the results that he got is nothing to hang your head about. I mean, you know, 70, over 70 million votes is over 70 million votes. So, you know, and it, you got a lot more than you did last time. It's just a lot more people turned out because they hate your guts. That's just the bottom line. But, um, you know, and there's plenty of Republicans that hate his guts, which I hope the Republican Party realizes that. And they come back to their senses and they get back to normal they need to go to back to the drawing board. And I think that the only way they can save face is if they reject Trumpism in 2024 and maybe have Trump run as a third party candidate and then we'll see what, what's up. Because then we'll see what how, how he does against the Republicans face to face. Now I think that would almost guarantee a victory for the Democrats, maybe. But if you split it enough, you could send it to Congress. And if Congress ends up being Republican, then that could change the ballgame. So I hope I, I, I'm trying to think if I've covered everything I think I have. So uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap the show up because we're, we're running over an hour now. Um, thank you for joining us on The Moderate Podcast. Please remember to visit our website at themoderatepodcast.com. We are on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. All of our links are on our website there. 
If you have not subscribed to the show as an actual, you know, on your podcast catcher, please do so. Just go to our website, click podcast, and you can find wherever we are. It'll take you to our anchor page that'll link you to about a dozen different platforms. And we're even on more than that. If you search the the internet for the moderate podcast, you're going to find plenty of places to subscribe to our show. Um, Also, if you are able to rate our show on your podcast uh, catcher, that'd be great. Please give us a five-star review if you're so inclined. But if you don't, you know, I'm not going to tell you to vote. If you don't like, if you hate my guts, you don't like what I'm saying, go ahead and give me a one-star and tell me why. Maybe we can improve the show. By the way, if you want to reach out to me, my email is host at themoderatepodcast.com. So until next week, till our 100th episode, my name's Jimmy Davis, and I want you people to keep it real. <laughs>